Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're very, very happy to have Sal Palantonio joining us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy if there is indeed a longer tenured ESPN reporter with one team and one city. I don't know who it is. Sal Palantonio has been with Philadelphia and the Eagles since, what, like my entire life, since I've been paying my cable bill, that's for sure. Sal, thank you for joining us here on Damon and Ratto. There is really no one else we'd rather talk to other than you about the upcoming game this weekend. So really appreciate your time today. How you doing? Damon, thank you for paying a cable bill. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. I hope it does. You know, I, you know, I'm in the cable business, right? I got three daughters and three son-in-laws. And I'm like, none of these son-in-laws want to pay a cable bill. So I'm like, guys, I paid for your weddings. At least throw me a bone here. Pay for one cable bill. <laughs> Sal Palantonio with us here. And, and look, uh, you know, this is going to be a fascinating game. A truly, truly fascinating football game. Uh, what are your sources telling you about Jalen Hurts' injury? Are they masking this with... Toradol and gumption, or is he really on the mend to the point where by this Sunday it's it's not going to affect how he plays at all because he was very good against the New York Giants. Can he do that again with his shoulder? Yeah, I think it's ninety nine percent gumption. Uh, I've been around him since he was drafted. He is an extremely hardcore young man, tough as they come, a grinder, son of a coach from Channel View, Texas, uh, you know, has been through the ringer, Alabama, Oklahoma, drafted in the second round, waited his turn, hurt his ankle last year in the uh, wild card game. He's been through it all. He's, in my view, in three years, he's gone through about as much as any young quarterback could go through. Now he has to come up with this sprained shoulder and I think he proved last week against the Giants that it's not going to bother him. I have no indication, no reporting whatsoever that he re-aggravated it or re-injured it against the Giants. As a matter of fact, I think he's probably in better shape than he was a week ago. Is there a way on Sunday to tell just how bad the shoulder is other than like just watching him throw is there the way he maybe protects it? Is there is the, I guess is the simple question is, is there a tell that you could look for on Sunday to say, 
uh, his shoulder's not right or it's fine? There is a tell, for sure, and that is whether he's a willing participant in the run game. Because I don't think it's an issue with him throwing the football. <clears throat> I don't think it's ever really been an, uh, much of an issue with him throwing the football. It's just a matter of pain tolerance. And, uh, you know, he hit a 31-yarder on his first completion. <clears throat> and that was his longest completion since week 10. But he was a willing participant in the run game. And the Giants could taste that and feel that and smell that right from the beginning. So he had six called run plays for him, designed run plays for him in the first half. That was the most he's had in the first half all season long. And they were absolutely diabolical in their zone read run game against the Giants. No, this is not San Francisco. I get that. I understand that. <clears throat> but he was a willing participant in it. And they had 221 yards in zone read runs. That's the most they've had all year. That's the most that any NFL team this year has had in zone read runs. So they were pretty good running it. He was pretty good passing it. And you go, I, I'm very interested to see how he protects it again. So he was obviously protecting it. No question. Sliding early getting out of bounds, but here's the real tell, Ray. Here's the real tell. He was landing specifically and deliberately on his left shoulder. So what Sirianni did in the week last week is he had uh, two foam pads and coaches would put him through drills where he was hit with a foam, uh, like a Nerf bat and try to dislodge the ball and as they pushed him or he fell, he was torquing his body, turning his body, twisting his body, so he deliberately avoided landing on the right shoulder and landed on the left shoulder or on his buttocks or something. So it was deliberately focused on last week. Nick Sirianni told me that they're gonna definitely focus on it this week, starting tomorrow. They had no practice today. And it's something that Sirianni got from Frank Reich when Reich had Andrew Luck. They would put him through the same paces, slide early, get out of bounds, don't invite contact. And then when you do get hit, twist your body so that you land on your left shoulder. Sal Palantonio here on 95.7 The Game. It's great to have him. He is the king of Philadelphia media. And obviously, we got 49ers and we got Eagles. As Sirianni and his coaching staff look at the 49ers, what's kept him up most this week? I would say three specific things. The front seven is superior. There's no question about that. They're not only in superior in speed to power, but they're also superior in alignment and assignment football. These guys are coached very well by D'Amico Ryans. And you know, I'm the host of the NFL matchup show, so I not only cover Philadelphia, but for 20 years I've studied tape on every team. And in plugging in the tape and looking at the Niners defense specifically, the front seven, they are very good, very well coached, ferocious, good tacklers, good pass rushers, they're not out of place. <clears throat> and so I think that's the number one thing. I don't think there's a weakness there from what I can see. I think the Eagles will try to run on Bosa only to preoccupy him. 
force him to compete against the run. I know what the analytics say. The analytics say that his run uh, stop win rate is 21%, which puts him in the 90th uh, percentile, very low. I don't know what that means. I don't really see that on tape. I think if you run at him, the best you're going to hope for is you're preoccupying him and maybe you give him something to think about before he launches himself at Jalen Hurts. The thing that really concerns him the most is that Bosa, even though he's listed as the right defensive end, he's about 50-50 on both sides. So they're going to try to figure out a tendency during their film study. They're not giving that away to me. Uh, what I see is a guy who just basically you know, lines up where he wants to, uh, and the rest of the team follows what he, his lead is. That's what I see. Sal, what's keeping Kyle Shanahan up the most at night as he looks at the Eagles? I think it's the same thing that was the problem against the Cowboys. Remember when Aaron Andrews did that talk back with Kevin Burkhart during the broadcast? She's such a great reporter, and she had just talked to Kyle Shanahan. uh, And after halftime, she reported that Shanahan told her that he had to button up the Niners O-line because they weren't blocking very well. They weren't holding their blocks. And Dallas was beating them up front in pass rush and in run stopping. So I would say if the Eagles have any advantage in this game, and I don't think they have much of an advantage, it's their ability to get after the offensive line of the Niners and get after Brock Purdy. This is a very, very good pass rush team with only four pass rushers. They led the league in getting after the quarterback with only rushing four. That's problematic for anybody trying to throw the ball. So what you saw, and I studied it and went back because I looked at it on when I was watching the game and then I watched it again on tape. The Cowboys flushed Brock Purdy to his left a lot. And he wasn't comfortable there. He's very good and accurate on the run. Very good and accurate. Super impressed with Brock Purdy. Smart, accurate, decisive, but flushed to his left. He was less than effective than he normally is. And I think that's the issue for the Niners in this game. Was there a game that you saw the Eagles play this year that you can draw on to say, that looks like what they want to do against the 49ers. And conversely, is there a game the 49ers played that make you think that seems like the Eagles? I would say, let's go with the conversely first. I would say the Monday night game, the loss against the Washington Commanders, the Eagles could not stop the run. Then Howie Roseman went out and got Linval Joseph and Sue. And their run game, run defense was in infant, I mean, just unbelievably better. Because Fletcher Cox, their best run stopper, could get off the field. He was averaging 70 and 80 snaps a week. Now he's half that, and he's fresher. And he looks fresher in the locker room. I saw him today. He's super happy about, you know, how fresh his legs were given that, you know, he's basically in the bottom of the ninth of his career. So, you know, you, if you're going to run on, on on the Eagles, don't run up the middle. 
run on the edges, and you can run on the edges on the Eagles. You can. So that's where Samuel comes in. That's where McCaffrey comes in. That's where Shanahan's brilliant designs come in. His ability for the quick pitches, um, you know, and the the deception that he uses with Samuel, very good. Another play that I really like is their tight end screen up the middle where you see that little delay by Kittle, and then he leaks out between the A and the B gaps, and he's open. That'll give the Eagles problems for sure, definitely. Sal Palantoni. It'll be a quick hit. It'll be a quick hit. Sal Pal from ESPN here on 95.7 The Game. As uh, I've been putting together the tail of the tape and how these teams match up against each other, what the 49ers need to look out for, I think they need to, maybe more than anyone else, and this is because you're you're walking into Philadelphia with a rookie quarterback, I think Darius Slay might be the best player on this defense. How far away am I from the truth when I say that? Because I, I think Slay's a stud. He is. I think Hassan Reddick has had the best year of any of the defensive players, and he's playing at a super high level. Um, his ranginess, his length, his strength. Talk about a guy from the speed to power quickly. He's he's done it from the left side. Um, but Slate is very good. There's no question about it. Um, he may be the best defensive player in sure pure instincts, sheer pure pure instincts, um, for sure. I think for the Niners, the big issue is they haven't really faced a dual-threat quarterback who can really run since week one. And Justin Fields was in his infant stages at that point. Right, and the game was They're being not, played in a lake as well. <laughs> yeah, the, it, it, there's, it's not a really a good comparison for a lot of different reasons. The Niners had zero offense at that juncture of the season. Fields was not really anywhere near fully developed. The conditions are terrible. It's week one. You don't really know what you got, right? But so the Niners, I don't know what the reporting's being done out there about who they're trying to use on the scout team to duplicate Hertz. But here's what I, I think that Hertz has become really adept at sleight of hand. And the other thing is, he's faster than you think. Now, he's not going to be able to show off this, you know, he's got that gym rat rat strength where he's been able to, you know, leg press 450, squat 500 in his college career. He can't do that in this game. Why? Because he can't lower his shoulder, lower the boom on anybody. So he, he loses that aspect, and that's a big aspect of how he runs the ball. But he's faster than you think. He's got really good ball handling skills. He's smart, knows the offense. He caught the Giants, you know, in the switches many times on that zone read. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty to watch. So D'Amico Ryan's better be coaching this, this group up on how to handle the dual threat of Jalen Hurts. Um, this 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 won't make any difference come Sunday, um, but I'm going to ask it now. Is there an NFC title game in your memory that seems to match two teams that have as little of a difference between them in so many areas? It almost looks like the Eagles and 49ers are basically figuring out a way to play each other. Is there a game in NFC history... 
where you just look and go, yeah, this is this is two teams that are exactly the same playing against each other. Wow, you know, I'm going to go back to Niners, New York Giants. I mean, that's to me is it's comparable, like the Kyle Williams fumble. Yeah, I mean that's one. Um, in recent memory for the Eagles, you know, um, the Tampa Bay Bucks when they closed down the vet, those two teams were really close in talent. And one quarterback didn't show up, and that was Donovan McNabb. And <clears throat> as a result, the Eagles got blown out in their last game at the vet. But they were very evenly matched. You know, I, I think a lot of people are focused on the inexperience of Brock Purdy. I don't see it. I don't see it on tape. I don't see him making the, the big mistakes of inex, that inexperience would call for. And that that is, you know, listen, you've been in Philly, you know how bad it can get here. This is the city of Broadway Shove, and it's going to get bad on Sunday. It's about the most menacing place that you can play. So, um, I don't know if you saw the quote from Rob Thompson. The Phillies manager, he was doing a luncheon. It's on. It's it's on Twitter, and somebody alerted me to it the other day, where he said an opposing manager told him playing at Citizens Bank Ballpark is four hours of hell. <laughs> Lincoln Financial Field is much worse than the Phillies. It's it's in last weekend. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a rock concert and a, and, and a playoff game and a fireworks show, and <laughs> it was bad. And, and a WWE wrestling match all rolled into one. I mean, the atmosphere was rough for the Giants. They got down early, and the crowd just took them right out of the game. Um, given the fact that Daniel Jones is essentially Brock Purdy's age, even though he's a little more experienced, is that something the fans will attempt to do early on Sunday is try to see if they can make Purdy melt into butter? Or is that just <laughs> a natural state of things in Philadelphia? <laughs> yeah, you know the answer to that question. <laughs> I do, but I wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> well, I just answered it for you. Let me wrap up with this then. Sal Palantonio, King of <laughs> Philadelphia. The 49ers have struggled a little bit on the outside against wide receivers. Mooney Ward, Chavarius Ward, has had a, a, an exemplary season, but he's been beaten a couple times in the postseason. Diamador Lenore is an attack point because you got to choose something to go after in this defense, and by process of elimination, it's been him, and he's even come up with a couple of interceptions in the postseason so far. I know that A.J. Brown has been clamoring for the ball more. Do you see a big game from him on Sunday, do you see the Eagles winning without a big game from A.J. Brown on Sunday? I do not. I see them having a big game, needing a big game for A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Uh, no, there's no question. Um, you know, they'll do some uh, over and under routes with Goddard and A.J. Brown. I mean, he's no question he was disappointed I mean, I don't know why he would be. All right, so you had six targets and three catches and 22 yards, but your team just won 
you know, Dale, Jalen Hurts, your best friend, your best friend, just won his first playoff game. Your best friend just won his first playoff game in a way that was a message, sent a message. You demoralized the New York Giants, 38-7. to I mean, it's just a bad optic to go to the sideline and, and, uh, and have an animated conversation. It was five minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's 31-7 to at that point. Right, things are going well. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course. And, you know, Nick Sirianni acknowledged that. I'm not speaking out of turn here. Nick Sirianni acknowledged that on Monday. He acknowledged that A.J. Brown was a little frustrated. Now, we talked to A.J. Brown at his locker today, and he said, no, that's not me. I don't want to cause a commotion and a distraction and all that other stuff. And then when I talked to him after the the, the group of reporters left, he said, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. So um, he'll be throwing the ball early and often. It's telling that. Sirianni, who uses metaphors and messaging uh, at the bully pulpit and has all year long, especially with T-shirts, had a T-shirt that said Dynamic Duo on it today, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. There you go. Say it with a T-shirt, boys and girls. Not a bad idea. (laughs) Uh, Sal Palantonio, there is no one else we would have rather talked to. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really, truly appreciate your time. It was my pleasure. Thank you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.